and welcome to the very next edition of latest edition of the EPB podcast. I'm your host Joel Jackson. You can catch me at Boomer four five six eight on Twitter and also Instagram. Uh, if you still have MySpace, you can catch me there too. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger, all that good stuff. So um, we're gonna. This is our like I said. This is serial number two. We're gonna. Go ahead and chop up these topics for the week uh, that we've gone over. I'm here with you know three of my really good friends, um, classmates. Uh, we're gonna start off with Ted. Ted, why don't you go ahead? Because in the very first our premiere episode, we didn't really discuss how he came up with the name uh, EPV Broadcast. So why don't you go ahead and, and tell us about that? Gotcha. Well, um, of course we're all from Memphis, and so we tried to think of something that was kind of Memphis-esque. Um, the credit for the name actually goes to Anisha. Shout out to Anisha. Um, but we were just trying to think of something that was meant. Uh, we had a whole bunch. What I came up with Pyramid Kids, uh, Bridget. Where, Bridget, what did you come up with? I came out, I mean, I'm sorry, I came up with uh, Soko for okay. Comfort, but okay. realized it was from Kentucky and not Memphis like at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> still good, though. Still good. <laughs> Uh, we came up with all these different names, but it was something about Anisha's name, EPV, which is short for Elvis Presley Boulevard, it just kind of stuck. And then the funny thing was, of course, we've heard the intro, but immediately when she said that, I thought of the Rick Ross song. And I'm thinking, when people think of Memphis, they think of Elvis Presley, and people hear it, everybody knows Elvis Presley Boulevard. It's like the street that runs you from everywhere. So I just thought it was the perfect perfect name for this uh, podcast and so we just kind of roll with it. Alright, cool. And uh, Ted, where, where can people follow you on uh, on social media? No doubt. So last week I wouldn't give you my name because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely afraid of stalkers. But um, I'm going to go ahead and open up a little bit this uh, this episode. But you can catch me on Instagram at Tedrick1914. That's T-E-D-D-R-I-C-K-1914. You can also catch me on Twitter at uh, Eclectic1914. That's E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C-1914. All right, cool. Um, Anisha, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. So uh, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, Give us a couple of in- introductory thoughts. Uh, well, it's hot as hell. Right. What did I say? Hot in Satan's oven the other day. Good old church lady. I was like, oh man, I'm being far too kind. It's hot as shit out here. <laughs> so, but lo and behold, she clutched her pearls and conversation. <laughs> it was good. But um, this is your girl, Anisha. And you can actually catch me on Twitter trying to make a comeback. It's my Twitter revival um, at Beige Supreme. You can also catch me on Instagram at Beige Supreme. So, yeah, that's about it. Trying to stay cool. Trying to keep sane. Trying not to fuck nobody up. The yeah. usual. The usual. Yeah, it's, it's high here too in, in Houston. So, trust me, I, I understand. Uh, I'm looking at the temperature right now. It's 98 degrees outside. So that sounds about right. Yeah, that's about right. It's the same as crack. I'm sure it is. So yeah, it is so hot down here. Uh, Bridget, uh, besides being hot, what you got going on? I just want to mention that I'm sitting next to Anisha at her house, and she got the air blowing on icy cold. <laughs> but I appreciate it though, <laughs> cause it is hot as hell. Okay. Hey Bridget. Hey Bridget. Hey Bridget. She got the she got the air conditioner on the lowest temperature on turbo, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
on Turbo. It just is blowing chilly, chilly wind, and ain't no blinds open or nothing, so no heat can get through this thing. So I'm good and comfortable. But yes, I'm Bridget. Um, I'm BGRS on Twitter, and I'm also BGRS uh, on Instagram. My Instagram page is still locked, so uh, <laughs> you could possibly follow me on there if I let you. I don't know. I may not. I don't know. It just depends on how I feel that day. So, that's pretty much it. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, cool. So let's go ahead and jump into these. Um, let's go ahead and jump into this then. Um, we got everybody. I want to give a shout out real, real quick before we uh, go to the, I guess, go to our first break. I want to give a shout out to Kevin. Um, not going to say his last name because, you know, I know, you know he might have somebody looking for him or something. You know, or whatnot, but Kevin, appreciate all the all the work with helping us out on, on getting this podcast up and going. Um, you know, really appreciate it. I'll owe you a beer next time I'm in town. And, uh, and uh, we really do appreciate all the all the hard work and the effort that you put into to, to help us out on, on the technical side of this. So, yes. thank you, right. Kevin. Thank you, yes. Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Well, yeah, yeah, Nisha, you better say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but but we ain't gonna go. We are not gonna go X rated. We just gonna go straight to this next. Uh, we're gonna go straight to this first break. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> you thank you. Giving giving thanks. What thanks? It's due. That's all. We gonna, I'm going hey, to the damn what, hey, what y'all, what, what, hey, what y'all do is what y'all do. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying thank you. I'm going to buy my beer. Whatever you do is on you. I'm going to buy my so, beer. Mm-hmm. Let's go to this commercial um, break. Yeah, let's go to this next, this first commercial break. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back with the barbecue pit. When you're late on your child support She always give me half of that on my car note Hunter spoke, me, I'm sitting slick on the Escalade Fell up in the king of hard man, baby got me paid First of the year, tax time, keep me with a smile I'ma get an extra couple of G's, claim me your child Yeah, it's wild, but this is the world that we living in Don't get high, stay up on my game and quit meddling Peddling these bees sacks, nigga give me feedback I don't need no stem, dogs. you can keep the seeds back Welcome back to um, the EPB broadcast. This is our weekly segment we call the Barbecue Pit. This is where we take a topic. We we slow smoke it on the grill. Uh, smoker, you know, put some pecan wood in there, some, some hickory, you know, slather it up with some barbecue sauce, and we serve it up. So this week is a heavy topic. Um, it's the, the Sandra Bland um, uh, case, the situation, um, whatever the case may be. It's funny because actually right before we recorded this um i was uh going on twitter and um a local activist here by the name of Kwane alexis is actually in um in walla county today as we speak mm. and uh he's leading a uh leading a rally um you know and, and uh, trying to get some masters along with a lot of other people trying to figure out like what exactly happened um obviously sandra bland is you know a really hot topic 
uh, now it seems like seems like you know almost every day there's <laughs> unfortunately there's a new hashtag on on uh, social media with, with somebody else losing their lives in, in the hands of cops and 99.9 percent of them just so happen to be black people so but um you know before i guess before we get into this topic i do want to give a shout out to the bland family um they they lay her to rest this is sunday they laid her to rest uh yesterday um uh, you know definitely on behalf of the epp broadcast we want to definitely give you guys a uh, let you know that you guys are in our prayers and our thoughts uh also to the Prairie View community, where she was an alum in Prairie View, uh, and also a member of the uh, Sigma Gamma Rho sorority. Uh, you guys are in our thoughts, so, uh, and prayers. Um, so, I guess let's just go ahead and just open it up. Um, let's see, whoever, I guess whoever wants to start, just kind of just roll with your uh, your thoughts on it. <laughs> Anisha, Anisha, why don't you go ahead and give us your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> yes, Anisha, go ahead. Your mouth is wide. Just go ahead and start talking. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I think before we started recording, I was uh, talking it over with Bridget. I think one of the things when you have um, highly prolific cases like this is that you have got to filter the information that is being given because you have so much out there from so many sources a lot of them are usually not credible they're um, speculations uh, conspiracy theories about what happened what could have happened so you know anytime you're talking about something like this you want to just state the facts what you know what is kind of consistent on both sides what's consistent on both sides is that on July the 10th around 4 30 p.m. Sandra Bland was pulled over for failing to uh, signal a turn. Um, this traffic stop soon escalated and she was detained for resisting arrest and also for assaulting a police officer. There is video evidence with the dash cam. You can hear the uh, confrontation. I think his name is Brian Yesenia. And it's just from this point to three days later, she is found dead, um, apparent suicide from, you know, hanging herself with a trash bag. And it's just so many questions from, you know, I think the real issue is the protocols and policies and procedures that were in place by this, uh, this, um, this facility, the people that were running the program. I just think that there's just, it was just negligence, gross negligence on the part of uh, Walla County Sheriff's Department. And, you know, we look at the cases beforehand and we try and, um, we don't want to say, or people are quick to say, this is another case of police brutality, excessive force. Yes, if you look at the video, uh, I don't know if anyone has watched the video, but you it's like he baited her. And that's just my perception because there are just certain things that you don't. He could have just gave her a ticket. She could have gone on. Sandra would be alive. We would be having this conversation. But that didn't happen. So it's just, you know, baiting someone into a confrontation. I feel like that was his part. I feel like them not following their policies and procedures with sale watches and making sure. And if she answered on her form that she had contemplate the suicide at one time or another one you should do a psychiatric evaluation there's just a lot of drops and no one wants to take responsibility and instead of trying to put the image on well Sandra had marijuana 
in her system. Okay, I don't know nobody who's been high for three days. Okay? So, right, you have to have that good, good. So, I don't need that. That's irrelevant information. She looks like she's dead in her mugshot. Regardless, she's dead now. I don't need that information. I need to know what happened. We need to stick to the facts that pertain to the case. We need to find out what went wrong because we already know what went wrong. Their failure to follow their policies and procedures. That's Waller County's fault. That's not Sandra's fault. If they had did what they were supposed to do, Sandra might still be here. So those are the things that we need to pay attention to and not try and make it into this bigger than what it should be. I do think there needs to be more answers. I do think that they're trying to cover up and trying to blame fault and they're trying to blame fault on someone who's not here to speak for themselves. So. All right. Uh, Bridget, what you got? What you got? I mean, Misha hit it on the head. Um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about what may have occurred. Um, she mentioned the mugshot where people are saying that she possibly could be dead in her mugshot. I don't know because I, I don't know anything about, you know, those types of things. Um, I did want to mention that they are doing a second autopsy. And I think that's gonna be the biggest draw there um, from the first, because there are a lot of holes in that first autopsy as well. And I think the first autopsy was done by the Waller County yeah. folk. Well, um, so I'm not sure when they're gonna do the second autopsy, but that's the one that I wanna look at, because I'm not, I don't trust um, those police officers and none of those people in that county with what have happened. Um, I believe this whole thing is a big cover-up. They're covering their ass for what has happened to her. Um, I do believe that she was murdered. You know, that's my own theory about, you know, the whole situation. Um, and I really hope that this all comes out in the wash. I hope it resolves. And I hope it resolves quickly, but you know how that goes. Especially for the sake of the family. Right. You know, they want answers and they need to know. So I just think for the sake of the family and just for the sake of continuing the conversation, Correct. there needs to be some sort of resolve or at least some know how to what happened. Right. I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with that. So yeah. you know, those are my thoughts about it. So. And I've been to Prairie View a few times, you know, doing my, uh, you know, doing my sports thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, that community up there in Walla County is a really it's a diverse community, but there are a lot of, you know, obviously, Prairie View alums. There are a lot of African Americans, and I can tell you that with Prairie View people, Prairie View people, they are really, really active in their alumni association. As far as like black colleges go, they are some of the most active alums around. And I can tell you that from talking to a few of them um, in the past week or so, they're they're not going to let this die. I mean, they're going to. They're gonna be pretty aggressive, and they're gonna stay on the on their ass about it. So, uh, and I really do hope so, because like you, like you know, like you guys said, you know, the family needs some some closure to this, and, and they need some. I mean, I, you probably won't ever get peace to it, um, but at least get some closure and, and know exactly what happened. So, um, Ted, what you got? Well, I'm just going to kind of hit on what I said last time when we tried to record this podcast, but it didn't quite work out. But, um, <laughs> working against us. <laughs> but my issue is, whenever, whenever we have situations like this, it's always, what could the victim have done differently? Um, police are trained 
police are trained professionals. Uh, one of their job descriptions is being able to de-escalate a situation, a volatile situation. And far too, uh, far too often in situations like this, we find where the police, instead of trying to de-escalate, they kind of antagonize the victim and make things worse. Uh, to give a great example, so I'm putting a little bit, of, a little bit of my business out here, but I'm an educator. I have parents come to school all the time, upset. They curse, they yell. If another motherfucker touch my baby or blah blah blah, when they come to me, I'm not going to antagonize this situation. I work for that parent. Without that parent, I don't have a job. So when that parent comes in. My attitude is, well, ma'am, I'm sorry. Let's sit down. Let's discuss this. You know, I apologize for any any miscommunication, any confusion. Let's see if we can sit down and resolve this. That should be the attitude of police officers. You're a police officer, so you're going to encounter people who are, who are having bad days. That's a gift. You're going to get some attitudes. You're going to get all that. But when you meet these people, you got to come with a... Uh, you got to defeat that... that uh, that mentality of, uh, you know, I've got power over you and I can make you do whatever I want you to. You got to get rid of that. And you got to do what you're trying to do and de-escalate the situation. That situation could easily been de-escalated. De Why does she have to put a cigarette out? All right. Now, I absolutely agree that she, you know, she did some stuff that was kind of uncool, like blowing smoke in his face. I think they said she was yelling, uh, you know, cursing at him. That was really inappropriate. And I agree that, you know, that shouldn't have been done. But in the same breath, that situation still could have been de-escalated without her having to come out of that car. She freaking made a turn without signal. It's not a serious incident. Write her a ticket, that would have made her more mad than anything. So my thing is, we just gotta start examining these police officers, man. They work for us. They work for the citizens of the community that they police. And we've gotta start holding them accountable. Yeah, I think you made a good point. Um, a lot of people are blaming her for what had occurred. I mean, the the point of a police officer is to protect and to serve. And when you, you know, you're going to come across people, especially people of black descent, <laughs> are very, you know, we, we have our guard up when we're pulled over by the police. Because honestly, I mean what has happened within the last year of people being shot and killed by the police. We don't know when the we don't know what the hell is going to happen. So, I mean, you know, when people come across you with their guard up, you should be aware of that as well. And you should be, like you said, de-escalate the situation. So, and I just want to bring up the whole, and I hate bringing this, this, <laughs> this topic up about black on black crime and, People are like, why are we so concerned with why police are shooting black people and why we're not this concerned about, you know, um, black on black, I mean, things that are happening within our own community. I made a point on Twitter a long time ago that the police are there to protect and to serve. They work for us. They're not supposed to be out here shooting and killing us. So, I mean, I, I understand the point about black on black crime. Yes, that is an issue. But when you have people that are working for you and they are killing you for no reason at all, I mean, that's a bigger issue to me. So, yeah. And with that one right there, with like, and I've seen people bring up black on black crime, I'm like, and they all bring up when, um, 
I've heard seeing people, especially like with the Black Lives Matter, All Lives Should Matter. I'm mm. like, they're totally separate situations. They're mm. totally separate issues. We're not saying one takes more president over the other. It's just that we need to tackle some issues. We need to address some issues. And you need to address them individually as opposed to trying to put them together. It's not all the same. It's just not all the same. Circumstances are not all the same. So to try and, and, and put two totally different issues together and make them uniform is just, that's not doing anything but creating a further distraction from the issue. And, and, and to that point, uh, when we talk about black on black crime, when a black person murders another black person, they're in jail and we already know they're getting life. Mm-hmm. No, no question about it. Like, the, the process from the time that they're arrested to the time they make it to prison is very short. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Now, when 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 Officer Officer Johnny uh, kills a black boy, he's on leave for a month. Mm-hmm. We got to do an investigation. Then the investigation has to be investigated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a year long process before we find out anything. And then eighty percent of the time, they get off. They find some loophole or there's some cover up that prevents justice from being served. And I think that's what people are so upset about. It's not the fact that you know, uh, they're killing killing black kids. It's that they're killing black kids and getting away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you know, because you you know, it's, it's two points like I, I want to make real quick. You know, you talk about the officers. You know, when they get away with it, and you know, they get on leave. You know, a lot of times when they go on leave, they're not exactly going broke because they'll have some you know conservative talk show host or. TV person or whatever, you know, starting up a Kickstarter campaign, raising money for their legal defense and, you know, doing this, that or the other. And then the next thing you know, you see like George Zimmerman driving down the street. He got a brand new, you know, uh, Toyota Tundra truck with rims and everything else, sound system. And this dude ain't working, what, three or four years now? So, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, when, when these officers do go on leave and, you know, for, for doing something like this, a lot of times, they, they, they'll have, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars raised for them, you know, sometimes in hours, you know, so uh, to me, that's 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 almost as scary because you got all a bunch of people who are just saying, okay, well, yeah, you, you know, he, he was right, he was okay, you know, here's a hundred bucks, here's a thousand bucks or whatever, you know, you go ahead and do what you need to do, you know, and then the lawyers that they get a lot of times, they want to, even though they have money for a legal fund, they want to work for free because, you know, they could come up with a book deal behind it or they could say, oh, yeah, you know, I got George Zimmerman off or I got, you know, whoever off. I can get you off, you know. So they use it basically to kind of build up their resume and build up their CV. Um, you know, the other point I want to make, um, I guess, is, um, you know, we talk about black on black crime. Um, you know, you can you can fight a battle on two fronts. And what I mean by that is, you know, churches and, and, and uh, community organizations for years in, in these rough neighborhoods have done things to try to, you know, uh, get guns off the streets and, you know, like the cash for gun programs, and, you know, things like that. So, I mean, it's it's been an effort um, and you do see some results in, in some places. I mean, there are some places that obviously there's, there needs to be some work from, but the same time, and I look at it from from a media standpoint, I hadn't seen Bill O'Reilly on the south side of Chicago ever doing an hour-long special about black-on-black crime. You know, I haven't seen Fox News set up a Herald's Chicken. 
I haven't seen them go over to Detroit and talk about, you know, like, like what, you know, come up with all these different things that they can come up with to, to, to combat black on black crime. It seems to me like the media always brings up, you know, whether it's, you know, like a, a guest pundit or a radio uh, talk show host or whatever. They always want to bring, or even like a troll on Twitter, they always want to bring up black on black crime when it's convenient for their argument on these police incidents. They don't want to bring it up when nothing else is going on, you know, and, and it's been an issue. You know, I mean, there's hoods all across the country that have been fighting this, these problems for years, you know, ever since, you know, going back to the 70s and 80s, some even before that, you yes. know, when, you know, Ronald Reagan got the receipts from Reaganomics and, you know, Iran-Contra and, 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 you know, everything else, you know, nobody was mentioning black-on-black crime in when crack was on the rise in, in the hood. You know, so it's just kind of convenient that they all of a sudden now black on black crime is a problem and it's been a problem for a long time, but they only bring it up to to contradict or try to contradict these arguments that we have against these police incidents. So that's just kind of my, my perspective. Maybe I'm just looking at it, at it wrong. No, those are good points. Those are very good points. Uh, real quick, too, uh, you brought up uh, the Iran-Contra and, um, and Reagan, but... A uh, great book I think everybody, every black person should read is uh, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. I'm not sure if any of you guys have read that, but it goes into great detail talking about the this war on, war on drugs that really wasn't a war. It was actually created by the government. And there's all these details that kind of, kind of outlines what happened in the 80s to kind of start this war on drugs. Every black person should read that book. It explains a lot of what's going on today. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. All right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back and we're going to probably um, lighten the mood. Definitely lighten the mood. <laughs> so uh, just stay tuned and we'll be back. Welcome back to episode of EPB. This is serial number two, and we are back. And we're going to go ahead and jump into this next uh, segment, which is called Mr. Pride's Car Wash. And um, for this topic or this segment, we're going to discuss the um, 2015 SB Awards and the recipient of the Arthur Ashe uh, Award for Courage, uh, Miss Caitlyn Jenner. And there was a bit of a controversy surrounding um, whether Caitlyn deserved to win the award. <clears throat> so just to catch everybody up, I'm sure you guys know by now, if you follow anything that's pop culture related, uh, Caitlyn Jenner is uh, formerly Bruce Jenner of the Kardashian-Jenner clan and uh, recently came out uh, back in May and uh, of course, covered Vanity Fair, introducing 
herself as Caitlyn Jenner, and she was nominated for the ESPY Award, the Arthur Ashe uh, Award for Courage, for her courageous outing. I don't know if there was another reason or a rationale besides that courageous step and just kind of being a spokesperson now for um, transgender people. And um, like I said, a lot of people felt like Caitlyn didn't deserve it. Now, my personal take, my personal view is that I don't see anything wrong with Caitlyn winning the awards. I think that um, even though this would be a personal matter, because Caitlyn is a public figure, I think that it is a courageous step, especially with how many stigmas we have with uh, gender association, gender identity. Um, today, even in 2015, the lack of understanding for sometimes for some people, um, acceptance, it's a very courageous thing to do, especially so late in life too. I mean, it's kind of like you've lived so many years and now you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. What are people going to think of me? Uh, you know, it's, it, and that's a big step. And, and, and that is something to be commended to this magnitude. Mm, again, I'm a little bit indifferent. Uh, Bruce Jenner was a great American athlete. That has not changed regardless of now if Bruce is now Caitlyn. You know, she's still done exceptional things and she's still doing exceptional things for the trans community. So let's jump right in. What are your thoughts? Okay, I guess I'll go. I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have an issue with um, Caitlyn Jenner uh, receiving the award. Um, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't really watch the ESPYS anyway. Um, but I did watch her uh, her speech. I did catch it in time for her speech that she did, and she's mentioned before that you know she really wants to use her platform um, to. Um, a shine a light on transgender people and also the fact that um, transgender um, people, they commit suicide at an alarming rate. I think it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to get the numbers wrong, 40%? I don't know. It's high. It's very, very high. Um, but that's what I appreciated about it um, and I appreciate about what she's doing. Um, like I said on the failed podcast that we did on Thursday, <laughs> um, when she did, when she also talked to Diane Sawyer, she did the interview um, a couple of months ago with that, and also when she won her award, I mean, social media was like on fire. Like, I, like I said, it was like walking through a war zone. So many people had opinions about what was happening, why she shouldn't have gotten no award, all of this. Um, but like I said, I didn't have an issue with her receiving the award. Um, I think her 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 show starts tonight, actually. I oh, am okay. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, I'll hear. All right. I don't I, it's probably coming on in, on E. I don't know. Yeah, I'll watch E. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. Never. <laughs> Um, so like I said, it was, I mean, it was cool. I, it, I, like I said, I think I like it even more cause she said she wants to use her platform to shine a light on other transgender, um, people. So that's all I gotta say. Well, I really don't have a, a huge opinion about the whole situation either. I'm just kind of like at this point, you know, our world is changing so much. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's almost hard to keep up with these days. You know, guys deciding they want to live their lives as women. 
And uh, I had this conversation last night with a friend, but I mean, you know, you got a lot of people that as they get older and you know, you, your time on this earth is, is, is starting to shorten, you kind of get this fucking attitude. It's kind of like, look, I want to do what makes me happy for my last few years on this earth. So clearly, you know, that's what that's what Bruce had going on. And I'm going to call him Bruce because his mama named him Bruce. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not ready to call him Caitlyn yet. But, uh, I'm calling her Caitlyn now, Ted. You gotta yeah. respect that. Yeah. Mama named Bruce. I'm gonna call Bruce. Oh, Mama called Caitlyn, but we, we gonna let you call Caitlyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mama did call uh, is call is calling her Caitlyn. So, oh no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know. I think I think the but. To the point with ESPN giving him the SBI, I just think that was that's all about ratings. At this point, you know, networks are all about ratings, and they're gonna do whatever it takes, which we see every day with these reality shows. I mean, can the shit get any more ridiculous? Like every day I watch, I'm just like I, I see my female friends posted up in front of the TV watching Real Housewives, and I'm like, how can you watch this shit? Like it looks staged. You got these people going out of their way to act ignorant and fight each other. It's just stupid. Like, why do people continue to support this shit? I don't know. But um, that's what ESPN's goal is. They're thinking if we give Bruce this award, everybody's going to tune in to see what he looks like. We want to see Bruce as a woman. And so you boost your ratings by giving her this award. But it's kind of, I mean, I just think it's kind of disrespectful to the award. The award is the, the Courage Award. And I know we talked about this last time, but um, I just don't think it takes a whole lot of courage. You, you, you're rich as hell. So whatever you do is what you do. You're old, your time on, on this earth is, is winding down. And I'm cool with you doing what you want to do, but I just think ESPN took it too far by giving him that award. I think we could have found a lot uh, of other individuals who were very much so deserving of that award other than Bruce. So, hey, it's my opinion. Yeah. And and I, I you know we uh, I guess we guess we I guess neither one of our opinions hadn't changed uh, Ted but I want to guess I guess address the people who I, I see I understand their point when they say okay somebody else deserved the award but if they said that because they're saying that okay you know like Lauren Hill who had the inoperable brain cancer uh, who whose goal was to play a college game a uh, basketball game. And they went ahead and did it and raised a lot of money for cancer research. And she knew that her time was was short. I mean, the doctors gave her a time frame. And yeah, she went ahead and, and through a lot of hard work, they went ahead and played this game. Um, you know, I could see if, if, you know, ESPN decided to give her the Courage Award, she ended up getting another award. But I could see if they gave her the Courage Award. And I could see, understand people's arguments about that. Or I could see, you know, people having an argument for Shelly Smith, who... You know, a longtime ESPN reporter who's you know filed breast cancer, or Ernie Johnson from TNT, or you know Craig Sager from uh, TNT, who are both filed cancer. Uh, I could even see an argument for you know like Leah Steele, who even though she's not an athlete, her father obviously is a you know football player, and you know her father had to uh, had to you know go through this with her. Um, you know, with with that, I mean, I couldn't imagine having your your child, uh, you know fighting cancer and then you have to go out and, and play football so I mean I can see the argument for that but if you're just having an argument of saying that you know she shouldn't get the award because she's a you know because she's wearing a dress and you know that to me that's just that, that's not true like I don't give a damn like how rich you are like how much money you got you know 
Bruce could have easily said, you know what, I'm going to sit on my stack of money and, you know, that I got from, you know, uh, speaking engagements and from being a decathlete from my former life and the Wheaties boxes residuals that I'm still getting and, you know, the money from the Kardashian stuff and could have just chilled out for the rest of his life. But he said, no, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. I haven't been comfortable for a long time. I'm going to go ahead and go through this transition. I'm going to become Caitlyn, and I'm going to be the person who I feel like I always have been. To me, that takes courage, because it doesn't matter how much money you got. And my, my argument to that point is, look at Twitter. As soon as that Vanity Fair cover came out on Twitter, I mean, it was just, it was, I mean, it was, it was a bloodbath. I mean, it was so many, it was, a, it was some positive comments, a lot of positive comments, but there was a lot of negative comments, too. And you can't tell me that when Caitlyn goes down the street now, that paparazzi ain't following her because you can see you go on TMZ and all these other websites and you see pictures of, of her going to Starbucks, you know. Uh, you know, all these people who are, you know, saying all these comments to her, negative comments. I mean, you could even hear, like, you know, some negative comments through the ESPN when they had the live feed going. Um, you know, on the on the pre stage. So I mean, to me, that takes courage. That takes just as much courage as as um, I'm not gonna say just as much courage as as battling cancer, but that takes a lot of courage to you know believe an environment and a situation where you could be totally comfortable with and chill for the rest of your life, and to say, you know what, that's just not me because I'm living a lie and I'm not living who I'm supposed to be and who I feel like I am supposed to be. So. So for you know, and then and then it's for God's sakes, it's ESPN. You know, like the only time I even watch ESPN, I'm a huge y'all know I'm a huge sports guy. The only time I watch ESPN is for their live sports anyway. I I, I can't stand that network. You know, it's so much. It's more about entertainment than it is about actual sports journalism. If I want sports uh, sports news, you know, I hit up Yahoo or I go on Twitter and, and you know I'll follow like you know. Uh, certain guys like Adrian Wojnarowski for basketball. He breaks pretty much any NBA uh, story. He's the first one that breaks it, you know. So, um, but, you know, it, it's ESPN. It's a made-up award for them anyway. It's just one of those things that, yes, they do raise money for cancer research, but, I mean, let's just face it. At the end of the day, it's just another entertainment venue for ESPN. So, you know, yes, they got the award. Yes, ESPN hypes it up, but it, it's, it, it's ESPN. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. I don't think Kobe Bryant is going to say, look back on his trophy case and say, oh, yeah, look, I got five NBA championships. I got a couple of MVP awards. And look, I got an ESPY from back in, like, 1999. I, I don't think he's going to look back at, at his career at the end of the day and hold that up as, like, one of his, you know, his his uh, his huge, you know, accomplishments because he got a freaking ESPY in 1999. So, but that's just my opinion on it. Um Anybody else got any thoughts? Um, that's it. I think you did well. I think you did All right. So, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, kick it to the next break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to come back with – oh, yeah, this is some good one right here. Uh, we're going to come back – we're going to come back with our car toy segment, so stick around. I'm so You never hear about us say this. I'm so tired of rolling. Cause there's too many bitches on my dick. You never hear us wild niggas say this. I'm so tired of rolling. Cause there's too many bitches on my dick. 
the motherfucker represent black hay. Swore to the grave, then we all getting paid. Because all right, welcome back to the EPV podcast, and this is episode two. Um, this is the segment that we have entitled Car Toys, um, and we're going to talk about Meek Mill and Drake and the ghostwriting incident. <sighs> <laughs> Um, just to briefly talk about it, uh, last week on Twitter, Meek Mill went in on not only Drake, but he went in on a plethora of people. But in the rant that he uh, did on Twitter, he mentioned that um, Drake has a ghostwriter. And on the song that Drake is featured on, I forgot the name of the song. It's Rico. Okay, yeah, it's entitled Rico, which is on Meek Mill's album. I don't, I don't listen to Meek Mill, y'all, so I'm sorry. But um, he mentioned that Drake did not write the song. Um, there is another rapper named Quinn Miller who wrote the song, um, and that is supposed to be Drake's ghostwriter. Uh, and I looked into it a little bit more. Quinn Miller is also listed as a writer on uh, Drake's latest. Um, uh, his album, not album, but mixtape. Um, I forgot the name of the mixtape. I'm not a Drake fan either. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but at least six of the songs that are on the latest mixtape from Drake um, has Quentin Miller um, featured as a writer. Uh, and as of late, Drake dropped a diss song that um, appeared on Twitter last night called Charged Up, which is anything but Charged Up. Um, it was, <laughs> <laughs> and I heard that was supposed to be the point of what the song was about. I mean, he's supposed to be lazily rapping or dissing Meek Mill. I'm just like, if you just gonna come like that, you might as well not say anything at all. But I mean, he did take a couple of jabs, but it's not like Tupac, um, coming at Biggie, it wasn't. It wasn't nothing like that, you know. It no ether. Nah, it wasn't no ether. <laughs> nah, it wasn't. It wasn't nothing like that. So uh, I listened to it a couple of times. Um, he had at least two, um, I guess, bars on. I don't know, child. He did at least two <laughs> stanzas. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't really in impressed with it at all. Um, I think Meek Mill is supposed to drop another diss song. Okay, that's another thing that's pissing me off. Like, why are you telling us that you're going to drop another diss song the day before? Just drop it. Like, nigga, this is beef. You don't just tell folks when you're going to do stuff. You just do it. You just come out the closet. You just, hey, you got my song about Drake. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not big fans of either. I have been laughing at this because this is nothing like what I'm used to. I'm used to pop coming out the, out the gate, talking about fuck the, I fuck the bitch and fuck the click you claim. I, I'm used to that. You know what I'm saying? But this look, this whole bitch made <laughs> beef that they're doing and exposing on Twitter and then their little soft-ass song that Drake came out. I'm just really upset about this soft-ass song. I mean, he did a little jab, but like I said before, it sounded like he was rapping from a damn recliner, laying down, like he was just real lazy about it. So I'll open it up. What do you guys think? 
Well, I'm like you, Bridget. I don't fuck with either one of them. I don't fuck with <laughs> Meek Mill and I don't fuck with Drake. But let's start with Meek Mill first of all. Um, so you put out your album early this year. Was it early this year his album dropped? And it did pretty good first week, you know. But the, the novelty wore off and now he's he's nobody. Um, <laughs> you, you, you riding your girl's job. Trying to make yourself relevant in 2015, because if you if you wasn't with Nicki Minaj, nobody would give a fuck about you. Um, uh, one of the lines from Drake's song that I really thought was funny was he said, "No woman ever had me starstruck or ever told me to get my boss up," which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, just saying that you can't rap and you ran here running behind your girl like a little dude boy, you know. So Meek is just really, really irrelevant to me. Uh, jumping over to Drake, I think Bridget can. Uh, agree with me on this one, but Drake is a uh, mini Fonte. Um, well, but he, well. he but he just doesn't weigh up. He can't really sing. Um, I really liked Drake when he first came out. October's very own was one of my favorite mixtapes. It was really good. But he's just progressively gotten worse. He's gotten more pop, and what really is what, what really turned me off about Drake was he, over the years he just kind of taken on this kind of gangster persona. Like, I'm hard. Nigga, you from Canada. <laughs> now, e- even more even more important than that, first of all, nigga, your name is Aubrey. <laughs> How many killers you know named Aubrey? First off, Jimmy got shot. Oh. I thought it was <laughs> So, he got cred. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Wheelchair Jimmy got cred. <laughs> all the killers from my neighborhood are named Marquavius and Antonio. <laughs> 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 no, none of them are named Aubrey, so I mean, I, I, I just, I, Drake is a joke. Um, yeah, so this, this whole beef, I'm like Bridget, this whole beef is silly. And I remember when Drake first came out, he was always big about saying that he doesn't do beef, he doesn't do diss raps because he ain't got time for that. You know, he's all about the money. So he really could have kept that bullshit as uh, charged up because it was really terrible. Like it was so lazy, it was hard for me to follow. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we can we can push this shit to the side. <laughs> and what was what was the deal with it being six six minutes long? Like you gonna repeat the same two stanzas again so you can make sure we heard what you said? Because yes, it, nigga, this shit was lazy. Because it's on the six. It's, it, 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 it oh my god. <laughs> It's on the six. It represents. <laughs> now, now, I'm now. Let me preface this by saying that I am not a Drake fan, but this shit was highly fucking amusing to me <laughs> because this premiered yesterday, uh, Saturday, on Beats One segment at six o'clock. First oh, off, wow. at six o'clock, this motherfucker played this shit four times, wow. and the shit is funny. The shit is hilarious to me. So. Me, I like to take step shit a step further because you know, I think when the beef first came out, Nick Mill had went and did some petty Ruxman ass shit, and he had deleted <laughs> pictures of him and Nikki off of his Instagram. He sure did. So it was like it was more than just him and Drake. It, it was more about that. Now you know, currently, it, and of course, I keep up with this because the shit is funny to me. He is on the. Pink Print Tour, I think that's the name of Nikki's tour, but he's currently one of the ex on her tour. Now, this is her main tour. This is her. She the, she the headliner. You the fucking 30 minute starter. You know, you the, you the hype man. You like the fluffer for the main event. So, 
that's already some, you know, petty ass shit. So I feel like you was all in your feelings one. He has since came back and kind of regressed himself, but then he moved on to some more petty ass shit. But um it's just hilarious. And Meek Mill is terrible. He is good and terrible. And and he he is good at being terrible. <laughs> so I just, you know, I was kind of just like the fuck if it weren't for Nikki and, and you know and, and Drake just he's comical he's he's funny and, and and he loves to make fun of himself so to me it just looked like a ha ha you stupid boy but anybody <laughs> really checking for I'm I'm not checking for Drake but the shit was hilarious but I know something that was funny to me today was uh, he started Meek Mill and I started back putting up pictures of him and Nikki. Well, Nikki, they were just in Jersey, so her family was backstage with her. You know, and it looks like they're backstage in a nice little room, and everybody's kind of scrolled out on this nice couch. And Meek Mill over there cheesing like he's a good boy. Like I was good today. She let me in the picture. So you got him over there. But when I went to his, now same show, same night, his family happened to be there. They taking damn pictures out in the uh, fire escape. I'm like, nigga, oh, you ain't wow. even good enough to sit in the room and have your family in there too? You got to be out in the fire escape on the stairwell taking pictures and shit, talking about family. Like, bro, you lost all the recipes, all the fucking recipes. It's just, it's, it's pitiful. He can't come back with shit. And if he has announced he got a diss track, that, this yeah, fucking irrelevant. Know it's gonna be well. You know it's gonna be terrible anyway because it's meat meal. Yeah, they've been calling his ass weak meal this week. So, <laughs> but the thing I did want to bring up also is how awkward is this for Nikki? I mean, I know this is meat meal that's supposed to be her man, but Drake is her label mate, right? Like that's her co-worker. So she she been shit fucking Ray Charles to the to the bullshit. <laughs> she ain't did shit. Closed. She kept her mouth closed. She ain't said shit. But this is <laughs> with Meek Mill's money. Well, not not now since Drake has responded. If Drake wouldn't have responded, I think Meek Mill would have been on the outs anyway because I think he would have fucked his money up, you know, and he wouldn't have been as relevant with I guess the whites or the popular people. But I don't know, man. This I want. I want to see what Meek Mill has to say tomorrow because I'm. It, the shit is funny. Did he really announce that shit like on Monday? He gonna do something? Yeah, he said he's gonna release it on Monday on Funk Flex. Um, <laughs> Funk Flex gonna drop bombs on it. Oh, all right, all right. Joe, what you got? You know what? I'll just. Uh... <laughs> Y'all remember the, uh, that Dave Chappelle back in the day when he had that seven call Friday night sissy fights? That's what, that's what that's what this reminds me of. You got the two most pussy dudes that you can get, and they beefing. Like, and then Drake, Drake, oh Drake, you know, low and slow and all that. I said on Twitter yesterday, it kind of reminded me like like that that char charged up or whatever it was called. Like it kind of reminded me of like. I could I could eat Sunday brunch off of it, like you know, like like you could have Kirk Franklin on, and then right after Kirk Franklin on Sunday, you could you could be you know listening to this, and then right after that you can go to some Chuck Mangione or something, you know, like like man, this whole thing, like ugh, I'm not, 
I guess I guess we all in agreement. We ain't Drake fans. We ain't Meek Mill fans. So, but but when you start looking at like the great rap beefs of all time, and you go back, like, okay, we already established it. I ain't hit him up. You know, it it ain't Ether. It damn sure ain't Ether. You know, it ain't it, it ain't Fifty Cent and Ja Rule. You know, with Fifty Cent just obliterated Ja Rule. Pretty much. Uh, it ain't. <laughs> It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, remember cannabis, can I bust, remember him? Oh like, he went down, he went down in history for like one of the greatest, uh, diss tracks ever. And then like, he couldn't, he couldn't capitalize on that because he just sucked. But he, but for one shining moment, he shot his shot and it went in. So, you know, so like, it, it ain't, it ain't Jack the Ripper. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't cool Mo D. With you know with the Jeep all, and the Kango underneath the Jeep, yeah, it ain't on the on the cover. It, it's none of that. Like this shit is just it's so lame. It's so like why you got? I'm kind of like y'all. Like why you got to announce? Oh yeah, on Monday at five o'clock on Funk on Funkmaster Flex Show, I'm gonna release my my diss track. Like what the hell is that? Like go ahead and drop that shit. You know like you know as soon as somebody get it, it's gonna leak on you know it's gonna leak on Twitter anyway. So just go ahead and come come with it. It's gonna be it's gonna be whack. You know, it shit gonna be lame. So just come on out with it. You can come out with it Sunday night at, at ten thirty eight PM for all we care. You know he wanted those reggaeton beats behind it, them reggaeton horns. Yeah, he gonna have an air horn. And you know, like this whole shit is just like Meek Mill and Drake, like both of them, man. Like, and then Drake talking about so he never came up behind no woman or whatever. Like, like he, like he ain't clutching the Leah coffin, you know, like on a daily basis, or he ain't, you know, he ain't, he ain't rapping all, all his raps or talking about how you know this dude and hurt this woman, and now he coming in in the picture like he bad Willie D cleanup man or somebody. You know, he can get the fuck on too. Oh shit. That's all I got to say about that. So, anybody got else? Any anybody else got some thoughts? No, I think you did it, bro. No, I, I think, think you did. You wrapped it up pretty well, man. Like light light skin versus dark skin, and both of them suck. <laughs> Damn. So, it, anyway, people, thank you for this listening to this next segment. We gonna go ahead and chop it up with this um ooh, uh, a lot lighter topic than Drake. Drake and Meek Mill. I don't know how much lighter we can get with it, but we'll be we'll be right back. Saturday, uh, com- uh, comedian Paul Mooney came to Memphis and performed at the local comedy club Chuckles. 
Um, so word on the street has it that the whole weekend was a bust. Um, Paul Mooney was being his normal diva self. Uh, I'm not sure if he, he cut out early on one session and, and patrons ended up having to have their money refunded. But just the entire weekend was a bust. So we're gonna sit here and chop it up about Paul Mooney, Mooney for a bit. Not sure if any of you don't know who Paul Mooney is, but just in case you don't, a little background on Paul Mooney. He uh, actually became famous because he was the writer for Richard Pryor back in the uh, 60s and 70s. Um, he also, which I didn't know, wrote for shows like Good Times. He wrote for Sanford and Son. And he also wrote for, he was the head writer for In Living Color. And so you uh, you 80s and 90s, baby, we know all about that In Living Color. That was We live with that shit. But um, what's really funny is uh, I had no idea that he gave the inspiration to Damon Williams. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, Damon Wayans for Homie the Clown. Oh wow! This, 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 this sounds like a power movie scene. And that was one of the most epic, uh, epic characters on *In Living Color*. Everybody remembers Homie the Clown. Homie don't play that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So Paul Mooney is always, in my opinion, been a diva. Uh, you could just always tell by his by his attitude, his mannerisms, and even Richard does that whole uh, that tells that whole story about the time that. He was asked to be on Saturday Night Live and how um, he really didn't want to do it. But the only way he would do it is if they allowed Paul to come on the show and write for him. But everybody was so fucking scared of Paul because he always dropped N-bombs. And <laughs> he was just he was just rude as shit. And so uh, Paul made it extra difficult for them to agree to have him there. He, he demanded all of this ridiculous shit. And then... He knew they would have to say yes because they really wanted Richard to host that show that weekend. So, um, doesn't really shock me. He, he, like I said, he's always been a diva. But what do you guys think? Well, I know, like from looking at people here locally, they were like he went on a complete, you know, tirade, and he was at certain points incoherent and. They didn't know if he was just uh, suffering from people threw around dementia, if he was high, if he was uh, drunk, you know. But I know that uh, one of the Friday night shows he cut out early, and they gave uh, the customers tickets for another show. And um, they said Saturday night it wasn't. It was you know about the same. Um, it wasn't really good. I guess. I guess what they. I think that people have a certain perception of Paul Monique because they thought about the Dave Chappelle show, but you have to realize that that was a written skit that wasn't ad-libbing, and Paul Mooney is just one of them I don't give a fuck type people. He really don't give a fuck. No, the, the term no fucks given, if you looked it up, there's a picture of Paul Mooney. It's kind of <laughs> like, he don't give a fuck if you like it, if you don't like it, you, he got his money. He's good. He could have he could have scratched his balls on stage, got him left, and you would have to deal with it. So, you know, I feel sorry for people who thought they were gonna go in there and really laugh and be comfortable because, you know, a lot of patrons said that he was, you know, made them very uncomfortable. I'm like, it's Paul, what the fuck you think? This ain't Chris Tucker. You ain't walk in here and get no fluff comedy. I mean, mm. this ain't one of them cartoon. What? Not cartoon. Comedy Central. Um, I don't know, the little Hispanic got a little fluffy one. But uh, it, George Lopez. No, not George Lopez. It's another Carlos one. Carlos Mancia. 
No, not that, that one. Terrible. He is terrible. No, it's a little yeah. fluffy guy. He's big guy. Fluffy. Um, but he always makes those little faces and all the. Um, but he, you know, they. I think they were just going in expecting some kind of jovial, like, oh, I'm gonna get a nice rolling laugh from the. No, it's Paul <laughs> Mooney. Like, you should have known. I mean, and some people were okay because they were just in the essence of Paul Mooney and they understood like his, it, you know, that it was just a great thing to just be there and just be in the same room, the same space as Paul Mooney. But he's just an example of some old ass dude that just done. Like, I want to go go see it. Mm-hmm. I want to go pay to see it. It's nice he was there. That's good. Not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen Paul Mooney um, do stand-up. I can't remember if it was on Comic View. It was a brief little stand-up um, routine that he did, and I didn't find him funny um, then. <clears throat> um, but I can't deny the work he has done in the past. Um, Ted gave an extensive list. I knew about him writing for Richard Pryor, but I did not know about the In Living Color segment. So that was... It was an eye-raising moment for me, but to me, he's just, it's, for me, especially to go see someone and pay to see them, I have to already know that they're going to be funny, and I think there is a big difference between people who do stand-up and they're funny, and they are funny in a TV situation or a movie situation, and I think Paul Mooney is funny in the TV um, situations or like when he's writing for skits or whatever, I think those are funny. But just stand up, I don't, I, I just never really been a Paul Mooney fan. Maybe he was funny, you know, way before my time. Um, but yeah, he's just not a cat that I would pay money to go see. So you did bring up Chris Tucker. I want to, I do want to talk about him. And anybody seen that, that uh, stand up he did on Netflix? I have not. Don't waste your time. <laughs> I was telling Anisha I fell asleep on that man twice. And the special ain't but an hour and 30 minutes. I fell asleep twice. And just, Chris Tucker has left the building. Yeah, he's not, he doesn't seem comfortable um, doing stand up to me. There was a lot of points where he, were, he was rambling um, and looked like he was struggling to get through the next joke. And yeah, I don't know if he had been doing stand-up for a while before he did the Netflix stand-up because I know you have to kind of get your legs under you when you are doing comedy like that. But that Netflix, woo, struggle city. But anyway, I kind of got an off topic, but y'all can talk. Go ahead, y'all. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, well, Paul Mooney, um, I, I've seen him in, in concert a couple of times. Um, you know, and he's the first time I saw Paul Mooney uh, was actually at Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, he was down there doing the stand-up back in 94, 95. I can't remember what year, but I remember it was him. Um, it was him, a young Bernie Mac, and uh, Adele Givens. And, I mean, it was it was really, really funny. Like, he was topical. You know, it was a lot of topical comedy. Um I say that to say that I saw him again in two, he came to Memphis in 2002, either 2001 or 2002, but he came again and it was some of the same jokes that he was saying back years ago before I went to go see him. So 
Um, you know, some comics, uh, and the same thing with John Witherspoon. Like, I saw John Witherspoon, he opened up for D.L. Hughley back in uh, Homecoming 98 at uh, TSU. And it was the same jokes that I heard uh, John Witherspoon say. And then he went into his, you know, his pop character from Friday and, you know, talk, and then, you know, coordinating and bang, bang, bang. And, I mean, it's, you know, some comics, some comics can, can, can say a few jokes and, and come up with a few lines and they could they could live off the rest of their life. Now, you know, you said Paul Mooney was in Chuckles, but wasn't it a few years ago he was like over in like the uh, Cannon Center or FedEx Forum or some bigger venue? Because I know he's come down to Houston before and he's like in, in you know, like larger venues, at least back in the past anyway. Wow. So, um, but you know, with, with Paul Mooney, you kind of have to his comedy is it is a lot of it is political charge and you could definitely go through uh and racially charged because you could go through you know his history you know writing for richard Pryor, you know the homie the clown uh even when he uh he did his uh appearance in bamboozled that old spike lee movie you know when he was the dad uh, and he was on on stage then and he was saying a lot of like racial jokes. of course that movie was racially charged too but um, you know, with Paul Mooney, he, that's just the type of comedian that, that he is. And you have to kind of, it, it's like he doesn't evolve. And there's a lot of other comics that I could go down the list to say, like, they, when they come, when they do stand up, they don't evolve. And it is a difference between doing sketch comedy and, and being live in front of a stage. You know, uh, you know, Aries Spears is a guy that actually, I think Aries Spears is funnier on stage than he is uh, when he was on Mad TV. Uh, and I wasn't a big fan of Aries Spears until I saw him on stage. Um, but, you know, some people, when it comes to being on stage, some people just can't, you know, they can't deal with it. Some people, they just don't, they, they feel comfortable. There's some comics, and musicians too are like this too. You know, they, they have that one, that one particular area, they get a lot of success out of it, and they don't want to branch out into other realms and, and take chances. You know, that's why... I, that's why I like Chris Rock, and Chris Rock is one of my favorite comics because not only is he witty and quick with it, but he's not afraid to kind of go, you know, go places where nobody else really wants to go. Um, you know, Chappelle's like that too, and you know, I mean, I can go down the list of comics, but you know, Paul Mooney is—I'm not ready to put him in Shady Pines yet and say, you know, here's some tapioca pudding and you're know, gone about your business, but. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe maybe he had something going on in his life at the time, and it just so happened that he had something going on in his life all the time, and it just so happened that he had to be on stage at the night while he's doing dealing with all this stuff. I don't know what's going on, but I know that if if somebody was if that was somebody's last memory of, of Paul Mooney or the last memory of Paul Mooney, it's a shame. But at the same time, he has nobody else to blame but himself because he's the one that's on that stage. So, um, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, basically. All right, so let's go ahead and kick it to, I guess, our, um, going to kick it up, wrap everything up and uh, with some pop tunes, and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. So we'll be right back. So I'm going to get out on these cuts and grind. My mind on cloud 29. My player ways keep me with plenty dimes. See, I'ma shine like all six of my gold teeth. When the nigga get through cooking up this OZ, all night on the block till the sunrise. My only friend is a Glock with the 4-5. 4-5 in the morning, it don't stop. 
daydreaming about flaws in the drop top Blue lights snap me back to reality I hit the alley quick and toss what I got on me Tricks ain't got shit to do but harass Surf the nigga and took about a thing in cash I guess that's better than getting locked up Or getting jammed with that shit I had rocked up Huh? Now I heard that the seven's where your folks from Down in the bottoms where they broke some Rips cross the nigga back, way back And now they wonder why we act Alright, so we are wrapping up this uh, final edition of Serial Number 2 of the EPG broadcast. We thank you guys for tuning in and giving us a shot. You know, we, we know you guys have a, a lot of choices when it comes to, you know, listening to podcasts. And we hope that, uh, you know, we, we, we thank you for listening in and we hope we we'll see you back. So, uh, this final segment is Pop Tunes. Uh, it's named after the old uh, record shop that was... Uh, just off of Elvis Presley, really out at Chevy Drive in Peronia. Uh, but then also they had other locations in Memphis. But Pop Tunes was one of those places where back in the day you went and you got you got your music before Blockbuster music came along and everywhere else it was Pop Tunes. So uh, so every week we do a playlist and uh, we have a list of songs that we like to you know just. It's either most of the time is relevant to the topic, and or it's going to be a you know an artist that maybe doesn't get a whole lot of, of mainstream play, you know. And most of the time it is, so uh, you know it could be something that maybe you guys have never heard of before, and you know we just kind of want to expose you to it, or you know it could be some of anything. It's just kind of what we're feeling at the moment. So, uh, Nisha, what do you got? What do you got for us this week? Okay, so for this week, I guess I'm keeping my trend with girl power. Um... <laughs> I am a huge fan of Lenny Kravitz, like huge, huge fan, and who I love just as much is his daughter, and she has a band called Lola Wolf, and um, they had a EP come out last September, and I've been playing it nonstop since September, like it is just, it's, it's really well put together, and if you're like uh, into like electric or electronica type music or a nice little vibe. This is a really good album. It's got some good up-tempo music and, and it's just really good. It's, the quality of it is good. It's much better than I thought it was gonna be. Like I got it on the strength of it was Zoe and I wanna see, and, but it's really good. And so the song that I selected is uh, by Lola Wolf and it's called Dirty Feeling. It is also on the uh, Dope, the movie soundtrack. Um, if you've watched Dope, I've heard it's a really good movie. Um, this is one of the featured songs on uh, the soundtrack, so it's really good. I would go and cop if you if you hadn't already copped the soundtrack uh, for the movie. I heard it's a really good soundtrack. I would go check it out. But you can also check out Lola Wolf. Um, they are just pretty awesome. So nice little plug. They have their album on iTunes. Go cop it. Support music, support good music. Support good music. Support good music. All right, so um, so my song this week, um, I'm going with uh, John Legend in common. It's not exactly an undiscovered artist, but uh, neither one. But um, I chose Glory this week um, just because I was, you know, uh, especially here in Houston, I'm, I'm deluged with information coming out with Sandra Bland. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those songs that, um, it's really kind of self-explanatory. Um, you know, I've been a big comic fan for a number of years. Uh, John Legend, uh, I've, I've slowly become a fan of his. Um, you know, I've kind of gotten out of it. You know, John, John Legend and Anthony Hamilton are kind of from that same, you know, field master tribe. 
So, uh, you know, feel, or, you know, they, they, they kind of, you know, I heard somebody on Twitter, I saw somebody on Twitter say the other day that, you know, every time Anthony Hamilton sings a slave, loses a lash on his back. So, you know, like John Legend's kind of like that, but, you know, he has some, but he's a really good writer. Uh, at least I hope he writes his songs. But uh, with that being said, you know, I, I feel like that song is really, really relevant uh, for, you know, the Sandra Bland discussion that we had uh, this week. So just kind of uh, ministered to my heart. So, uh, Bridget, what you got? Okay, um, my song is from, okay, I might mess this girl's name up, but I apologize. I think it's Leanne or Leon La Havas, um, and she's from London, England. Um, no, I'm, just, I'm laughing at something. Oh, I told, did I mess her name up real bad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I discovered her. Um, I made a playlist called um, Carefree Black Girl on um, Spotify. And I had other people add music to it. And I won't say this person's name who added it to my list because she may not want to be put on Front Street. But thank you. I hope she does listen. Um, and that song has been like my wake up song um, every morning. Um, it's a mid-tempo. Um, the name of the song is called Unstoppable. Um, and she has an album that's coming out. Oh, it come out July 31st. So this, this week. Um, and the name of her album is called Blood. Um, but yeah, that's the song that I chose this week. Um, I've been in love with it since I've heard Unstoppable. I have played it at least once a day <laughs> since June. So that's my jam. I love that song. And to wrap it up, I'll give it over to Ted. All right. All right. Well, I'm telling y'all, I'm, I'm asking for. Spotify trying to find that playlist uh Cure Free Black Girl. <laughs> I send it to you. Okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. Okay. Uh, the song I chose was a song called Talk to Me by Jamie Woods. Um I really can't tell you shit about Jamie Woods. <laughs> I, got a, I got a text message from my boy Max Brooks in DC. Shout out to my boy Max. Uh Max loves music music like we all do. But he sent me a live clip of her performing at a concert where she opened for Emily King. And man, her vocals were just insane. I was like, shit, let me go find whatever I can right now. So she's got a SoundCloud. She's got an EP on Spotify. Um, she's got music floating around. So I just, I've been kind of grooving to it. It's really mellow, but she's got an amazing voice. So the song I caught, or the song I chose, is called Talk To Me. Um, I'll just let you check it out, see if you like it for yourself. But I just, something about a black woman with a beautiful voice, man. It just, just does something to me. Just does something to me. Does something to you. Does something to you. Don't tell me what it is. Okay. Makes my nature rise. That's what it does. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh. Hold up. All right. right. On that note, let's go ahead and wrap this up. (laughs) So, so, so Ted can go listen to some Clarence Carter. Um, <laughs> so, so that, that wraps up this episode of the EPB broadcast. We thank you guys. I uh, want to go ahead and give out the Twitter handle, uh, and you can follow. Uh, well, you can follow all of us individually, uh, but you can follow us on our official EPB Twitter handle, and that is at Elvis Presley Boulevard. Now I got to spell it out. So it's at E-L-B-I-S-P-R-E-S-L-Y-B-L-V-D. We had to take out some other stuff because of, you know, stuff. So uh, so you can follow us there. 
we're gonna go ahead. I've actually uh, I, I talked about. I mentioned it last on the last serial number. Uh, I guess for our first one, but uh, never did give the number out. So if you want to leave us a voicemail now, we're gonna figure out how to how to put this into the uh, this, into the next one. But if you want to leave us a voicemail, we do have a, a Google Voice number set up, and that number is two eight one nine six eight nine zero five six. That's two eight one. Nine six eight nine zero five six. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, give us some feedback. You know, tell us we're doing a good job. Tell us we suck. You know, if you're a Drake fan, you're a Meek Mill fan. You know, if y'all hate them, you know, whatever. Just you know, give us some feedback. Let us know. You know what you're thinking, and uh, that's gonna be it. You can say you can follow all of us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, we're not gonna give out Facebook because Facebook sucks. But uh, follow us on social media. Tune in next time for the very next episode of the very next serial number of the EPB broadcast. Thanks, everybody. We'll holler at you next time.
Blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it go down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be sure. woman and child even jesus got his crown in front of a crowd they march with the torch we gon' run with it now never look back we done gone hundreds of miles from dark roads heroes to become a hero facing the league of justice his power was the people enemy is lethal a king became regal saw the face of jim crow under a bald ego the biggest weapon It's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win a war individually It take the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day, when the glory comes It will be
little trace Floating through the darkest reaches of space To another galaxy Our polarity shifted around There's nothing else left holding us down And it's just gravitational